You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let me start with a prayer. Lord, we are grateful for this morning, for this day, for your mercy and for your grace. Um, pray now, as ever, that your word would be uh, spoken and it would do its work on us. Um, uh, Lord, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, let me get sorted here. I should have done this before. Um, moving through Colossians, we're going to pick up a little bit of speed today, I think. You never know. I, I never know. Y'all probably know. And you're like, there's no way he's going to do what he thinks he's going to do. Um, uh, but we're not quite done with uh, with 115, sort of the thunder of, of, uh, of Colossians in some ways. He is the visible expression of the invisible God, or he is the image of the, the invisible God. Um, we'll look at that, sort of set up, um, do a little bit of sort of theology work um, for those that are interested in that, and you can sort of take that five minutes and, and think, oh, okay, or you can say like, eh, I'm going to let that go, and you'd be fine. Um, sort of the law and the promise, as it's called, um, uh, a way, sort of, hey, Mr. Hey, of course. Um, so, um, we'll make sure that's you know taken off the recording, sir. Um, um, taking its basis from Galatians three, this is a very Pauline class today um, uh, of how we make sense of indicatives and imperatives, because Paul's going to move into that significantly here. In um, Martin, watch your coffee. Um, about to move here in. Um, Sorry, I just had an ADHD moment here. With my <laughs> He's spilling his coffee on purpose, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" So, anyway, so, yeah. watch him blush from top to bottom. Um, Law and the promise, and we're going to dive in to Galatians. I mean, to Colossians three, and Lord willing, Lord willing, um, and we remember that. Even saying that, prayer is not so much overcoming God's reluctance as it is laying hold of the willingness of God, or having the willingness of God lay hold of you, Lord willing, the imperative will become the indicative, and we will be refreshed. As in, as Ashley brought us to this in the sermon today, as in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will refresh you. That's an, that's an imperative. Come to me. Come, 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 come. You know, how many times did I say that ad nauseum to my children? And having that turned from an imperative, from a command, to an indicative, to a gospel word, a word that does what it says as the word is spoken. Come to me, ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will refresh you. And in the speaking is the doing. And refreshment is given. And so that's what I'm hoping. It's a, high, it's a lofty hope here. But Colossians 3 is going to be our aid with that. But before we go there, um, I think... What did I do here? I can't remember. Um, I'm going to leave that finally um, and come here. This is the unknown God. We looked at that. Esau, um, the story of Esau and Jacob. Um, and Jacob, the deceiver, the second born, the... Uh, uh, he who grasps at his heel, Jakov, uh, the name in Hebrew. I don't do Hebrew. I do a little bit of Greek. Um, 
But all that, that naming, the way that Jacob came into the world, clutching and grasping for the blessing. He wanted the blessing so badly. And we looked at that story again, hopefully with a little bit of a different way of thinking about it, looking very briefly at the life of Jacob uh, to the point where he's on the run, he's on the lamb, as they would say. Uh, he's, he, the swindler was swindled, and he swindled again his uncle Laban. And so now he's on the run from Laban, and he thinks, maybe it's been long enough, and I can go back to my brother. Maybe he's forgotten how I cheated him, uh, how mom and I, how his mom and he cheated him. And so he's caught, and he says, you know, I got nothing else to do, nothing to gain, everything to lose. I'm going to sort of send everybody over. Jacob was alone, and he crossed the Jabbok, and he was met by a dark figure, thinking it was his brother thinking it was Esau who finally had come for him, and it wasn't. But he doesn't know that. And so what is he wrestling for? And he's coming through it, and he's striving, and he's wrestling. And he says, bless me, bless me before I let you go. Natural that he would say this to his brother, the firstborn, although he, you know, as the 14-year-old, I don't know that, but it makes sense, you know, knowing teenagers, you know, I'm dying of hunger you know give me some of your stew um sure give me your birthright you know says it you know haha does it dresses up like his brother um gets his father's blessing but he's still grasping at the heel he can't believe it he wants it from the mouth of his brother he knows he's swindled and he thinks he's wrestling his brother and he's wrestling god but he doesn't know that and this is the unpreached god god who has not yet gospeled himself to you, who hasn't Yugon Galizod, if you're into some, some decent people in here, um, if you haven't been preached to, if you haven't been, if God hasn't revealed himself to you yet, if the image of the invisible God hasn't been given to you yet, because the only way we know God is if God lets himself be known. We're about to go into Christmas. It is worth reading every day what we call John's prologue, John 1 through 18 ending with the, with, the, with the Himalayan, with the thunder. No one has ever seen God. Jesus Christ, the only God, somewhere in the bosom of the Father, he has made God known. So here, God cannot be known unless he, he reveals himself. And then there's the jump over. And how does God reveal himself? How does God allow himself to be known? How is there the visible expression of the invisible God? He puts himself preeminently on the cross. Um, God says, here I am. This is me. For you, with you, Jesus on the cross, the God-man, the crucified God, um, given for you. Uh, we have this saying of just trustworthy and true. Christ Jesus came into the world, a Christmas statement, incarnation, to save sinners. Good Friday and Easter and, and Ascension. Um, uh, so that's where we've been. One other way to, to sort of frame, because this is all very important as we get to Colossians 3, to frame that in our headspace, we're, we're chasing these, these first principles, so to speak, of the class. Um, that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, dividing joint from marrow, Hebrews 4, um, what Luther picked up. And he said, the Word, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. 
the Word made flesh can do that. God unfleshed, God unpreached, God ungospeled, God unrevealed, God unknown doesn't do that. The Word and the Word made flesh embodied, incarnated, in meted, incarnate. Um, uh, it can do this. And that's the word that we're going to try, I need to hurry, um, to get the imperative to become an indicative. Come to me, ye who are weary, and I will refresh you. Be not anxious. Little girl, get up. Here, have a cookie. <laughs> the end of, uh, what's that story? Um, Yes, yes, yes. Oh, no, it's yeah, that, one, that one too. Never mind. I'm off. Um, um, the imperative becomes the indicative through the word made flesh. Here's how one person put it, making sense of his sort of teenage and young adult life, trying to move from God, you know, sort of, you know, you're a religious people, spiritual but not religious, um, to an unknown God, um, God as you understand him, your truth, your God. All that sort of way. It sounds good, um, but it's kind of like what Lewis had in, in, in the first Narnia story, um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Turkish Delight. Tastes great, but you keep eating it, and you're still hungry, and then you start to feel bad. And that God, as he does not known, that God who has not gospeled himself to you, feels good until need, until death, until privation, until hunger, thirst, fear, anxiety, until um, anything, until life on life's terms. And here's how one person said it. I was scared of Jesus. Um, God felt safer. There were less immediate connotations when it came to God, more room to maneuver. Jesus was a lightning rod. Committing to him felt infinitely more specific and potentially demanding. And yet... That God without Jesus didn't have much to say to me in my rejection and in my anger. Faith without Jesus at its center crumbles. My conception of God without Jesus was basically a larger, more powerful version of me or my father or fill in the blank. But the God revealed in Jesus, the image of the invisible God, challenges and even contradicts our expectations of who God should be. So with all that in mind, um, let me hit pause. Time for interaction, and then we'll get into uh, Colossians 3. Really beautiful, beautiful piece that we're going to go into. But any, any thoughts there? David Zoll. So, um, in um, the book Rudy just did, The Jesus I Need to Know in High School. Yeah, so... Is that right? No. What's it called? I wish you wish. Yeah, there you go. Just a, a little comment on the Grunewald. Yeah. That it's not easy to see in this particular slide, but Christ actually has the disease that the hospital, for the hospital, what they were actually serving, which was ergot's disease. It's a skin disorder. And so Jesus is painted with that specific malady. So it's yep. Yep. He is taking on our pain. Amen. Amen. It's phenomenal. Um, I'm going to tell the world. Come and I are going to do a class. You know, she doesn't know that yet, but we're going to do that. And, uh, when I retire. And we're going to have a good time with that. So, um, 
yeah, the close-up of the Grunewald piece. We've done this before in classes that I've taught. Unbelievable, the detail. I mean, the grotesque detail. Um, and even there, nah, I won't play with the word. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, the, the feet that are just twisted and all. I mean, it's, it's repulsive, and you can't, you can't not just look there and wonder all in praise. It's like, I, I'm in love that much. It's phenomenal. Um, let's read. Let's read Colossians 3. Um, and then uh, let's read it, and then I'm going to talk about it, and we're going to go back and read it a second time and see if, in fact, the Lord would do His work and, uh, and make this imperative and indicative, the indication of that which the Lord has done for you. So, Colossians 3. Um, if, then, you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put all of them away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one is a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through him. But a lot of us had that read at our weddings. Um, we did, and it's just a, a, a common passage that's read, so it's a beautiful word. Um, so how do we make sense of this, these imperatives, which I'm going to hope move towards something called an indicative. Um, uh, let me get my note here. Um, using this, this is going to help. Hiddenness is the contradiction of the gospel the gospel. God is for you. God is with you and for you. Like Grunewald wanted to say pictorially, God is so for you in your disease, in your malady, in your need, in your death, because they were all dying, this hospital, and he painted them with the skin disease. What's it called? Ergon's disease? Ergot. Ergot disease, where it's like, that's, maybe I can have hope. If God dies of what I'm dying of, because they were going to die, um, well, then maybe I have hope. If I die with him, 
Maybe so also I shall live with him. Got hidden, got ungospeled, um, has no hope for us. So within that, the hiddenness of God, God who remains apart from us, um, is the contradiction of the gospel. God communicates his for us in the gospel of Christ. So this message that Christ is enough, the whole title of the series, Christ is enough, the, the great theme and thread of Colossians, comes at me as an accusation when it's a word of law. I don't need to hurry up. I don't want to get too far into this. This is like an hour talk. Um, um, well, even here, we hear this uh, uh, in Colossians 3, that in your old self, in the, the, the old manner in which you once walked, all of these things were there. That's the old Adam, the old self. And then there's the new self. Put on then. Now here's your new set of clothes. Put on your new clothes, this new shoes, these new clothes, these... Uh, this, this new coat, um, put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. Um, with this old, new dichotomy, we ask, you know, which word is coming to me? The word of law or the word of promise? Um, this idea of promise, going all the way back to Abram, who became Abraham, in uh, the word which is spoken, as it's spoken, the thing is given. You will be the father of many nations. And as grains on the sand, so also shall your children be. As stars in the heaven, so also shall your ancestors be. Fruit, multiplication, abundance, plenty. And he said that when he was an old man who had no children. <laughs> you know, crazy. How in the world... Would that happen? And it's not a promise of, I promise you, it's not going to rain tomorrow unless there's someone who's an author of the rain and can say, here, no rain. There is going to be um, a clear sky. That's a silly example. It's not a hope. It's not a wish. It's a gift, and it's given, and it's certain, and it's true. The word which comes at me is law. Um, you know, Christ is enough. In my flesh, I want to say, I can't live with that because I want to be enough for myself. But in the new flesh, once I've been put to death, um, Christ is enough. I hear that in, in the new creation as a word of promise, as a word of gift, as a word which secures me to God, the author of the one who says, sufficient, enoughness, um, abundance. Abraham, Abraham, children, multiplication, sand, stars, yours, you belong to me, holy and beloved. Um, the gift given as the word is spoken. That's what we want to do this. So one way, you know, I struggle, obviously, with coming up with even ways that we, 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 we can see this in our everyday lives or in some sort of picture. And a couple come to mind. Um, Children, it's an easy place for us to see. When a mother or a father comes to a child uh, who's fallen and hurt their knee, shh, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Word of promise or word of law, the law and the promise. For some of our children, at certain times in their makeup, it's okay. They don't want to hear it, it's like, stop, get away from me. And they push and they fight. 
and you're just frustrated. You're as mature as they are. It's like, would you just stop touching me? You know, it's like, I just want to help you. Why are you stopping? They say, like, I can't abide it. You're not enough for me right now. But at other times, shh, 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 shh. it's okay. It's okay. I've got you. I've got you. And they relax and they fall in. And it's okay. And it really is, for that child, it really is okay. Their knee still hurts, but it's okay because their mom has them. It's okay because dad's here. It's okay because I know somebody is for me. The word spoken is also the word given. And the child genuinely in that moment is okay just for that short, that short little piece. Another way to think about this, inside, outside of grace, it's a word of law. Inside of grace, it's a word of comfort and gospel. Um, the image of, uh, that's used all over the place, but one that I found out of Isaiah, of if you've ever been in a, um, a real, and it's, it doesn't happen often, I can't think of time, one or two times where I've been in a really dry place where the ground was, was so desiccated, so dry, that when you pour water on it, the water is absorbed almost immediately. And the reason I don't normally see it, because it's, if it's not so hard that you pour the water on it and the water just moves, it's, you actually watch the water get sucked down. Maybe it's a dry sponge and the water just comes in. Isaiah picks that up with this idea of promise, um, where the word spoken is absorbed, that we who have been baptized in Christ and submerged in him and we soak him up, so to speak, like that dry ground. For I will pour water on a thirsty land, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants, and they shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call in the name of Jacob. And the other will write on his hand, the Lord's, and then name himself and, and name himself by the name Israel. The word given secures the very thing promised. Um, here, no more thirst, and the land is not thirsty because it absorbs the water and the nutrients. And then the pop culture. I, I wish I had another one because this is so dated. It just makes me feel like, you know, I don't know what. But I used to watch the X-Files. So on Sundays, I would do EYC with some of y'all in this room. And this was back when it was so fancy to have a VCR that could, like, record. <laughs> wow. You know, like, it record TV, and the TV wasn't even on. That was so amazing. Um, and I would record the X-Files, and either that night, like at 10 o'clock, and I would come home, and I would make a bowl. Mamie just laughs when I say this. A, a pot of rice, and I would pour sauce in there. And sometimes I'd have a piece of chicken, and I would just sit there and watch the X-Files with my big wooden spoon that I used. So that's confession. So I, you know, much, much, my life is infinitely better now. Um, but that's how I used to eat in my apartment. I would watch the X-Files. And the whole point of all that is, if you ever watch the X-Files, the subplot that would come up about one out of every ten episodes, they, uh, they had the smoking man, and there was the whole alien conspiracy that the government was in on, et cetera, and so forth. And there was this ink. There was this ink. And I think a lot of shows like this, which is why, again, vampires aren't my genre, and really these things aren't my genre, sort of science fiction. But alien, which is a theological word to me, so aliens from outer space, because the word has to be an alien word, has to be outside of me, an alien righteousness, as it's called. It's got to be extrinsic and outside, an invader. And this ink would come, 
and they would be poured on the human, and they'd be fighting, of course, and all that stuff, because the flesh can't abide it. And this ink would just all of a sudden, in really cool sort of 1994, you know, computer graphics, it would just like get sucked up, and they would then go peaceful, be impregnated with the alien now, and that's not a good thing, unless the alien is good, and he's for you, and not against you. And now your flesh, which is a result of all this, has now been put to death, and peace, and patience, and compassionate hearts have been replaced in this alien ink, like water on a dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on their people. And something as simple as, and another will write on his hand. I used to do that all the time. The Lord's. Look, I'm the Lord's. My hand says so. You know, it's almost that simple. All these images just trying to come through the law, which the flesh cannot abide, and the promise, which the new creature, which is being called into existence. Now we'll end with this, and I'll read it again, hopefully in a way that we hear it with our ears of a new creature. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, um, for the word of the cross is folly. Folly for those who are perishing. So I fight the ink. I fight as the ground. Don't pour water on me. Um, And it's poured on me anyway. I'm buried with Christ in baptism. I never think that's a nice bath. I'm always going to fight that. Um, and yet, I come out of the water alive. Uh, I come away from the ink whole. I come out of the ground, the, out of me now, the ground that the water's been poured on, um, comes lilies and willows. That's where Isaiah goes on describing that. Um, uh, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved. And that's the key part here. Because I once was saved. Um, you once were dead, passes, dead in your trespasses and sins, and you were saved. Um, I am being saved. For those who are being saved, it is the word of power. So Paul says. And so if this would be the word of power by his graciousness, as a word of gospel, as a word of promise. Promise not, I hope it's not going to rain again next weekend because I had stuff I wanted to do. But promise, you're okay. It's okay. It's okay. I've got you. Um, That command, that imperative, that order is transformed in the hearing as a word of comfort and peace and security because it's spoken by a parent who cares because it's spoken by a god who dies for you and for me and so we're hearing these imperatives um seek the things put to death put on uh set your minds hear these words as the new creature where the lord's promise is being done to you and the word that's spoken is also the word the the event that's happening And receive the blessing of God. Um, If you then have been raised with Christ, you could almost say as. It would be a better, almost a better translation. Not contingent anymore, but indicative. And uh, uh, what would be the the mode there? Um, A sense of certainty. As you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
set your mind on the things that are above. Another way to say that is be free to no longer be preoccupied and anxious about the things below, which is actually going to free you to do the things below, like show up to work and have a good day. Be a parent. And all the challenges that come with that, of being a parent with, with a 4-year-old or a 14-year-old or a 44-year-old, a 64-year-old, maybe. Um, uh, be free. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, I love this parenthetical, that's almost this parenthetical phrase, who is your life? <laughs> it's like, so Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Ugh, I hunger and thirst for this death. <clears throat> Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Gone. On account of all these, the wrath of God, which is right here, this is the wrath of God, um, is coming. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the very power of God. Um, in these two, you once walked when you were living with them, but now, but now, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, just gone from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing as you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. What a word of hope, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And now all the barriers are removed. The denominations, the de-lawed, the de-nomos, the, the, uh, uh, the ways that we say A, B, in, out, yes, no. All those are gone. Here there is not Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and is in all. And here are these words, these wedding words, so to speak, as we're all wed as the bride of Christ to the bridegroom, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one of you has a complaint with one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Nice play on words here. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You could also just as easily say, let the rule of Christ give peace in your heart, as you're not your own, but you've been purchased and now belong to another. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the ink. <laughs> Let the word of Christ, Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, maybe time for a... No, let's pray, and we can talk afterwards. So, um, Lord, feeble words, humbly offered, um, uh, but you are strong, Lord, and take, take these feeble words, and, uh, and by your grace, Lord, I beg of you, we beg of you, turn them into the word of promise, and secure us to you, so that we would be well. Um, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.